Pastor Kapun to come and share God's Word with us. She's been in this church since she was a little girl, had served in, on staff in the past, and um, gone to another church for a season, and is now back. But uh, I checked with her, apparently this is the first time she's preaching in the main congregation, so she's a little bit in, uh, nervous, so I hope you support her. She's preached in the Saturday service many times already. Uh, but the first time here in our main service. So let's just welcome her as she comes to the pulpit to share from God's Word. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, everyone. Uh, let me just be a little bit emotional, okay? Yeah. Been here since I was eight, um, and I grew up among the many giants who saw me in my spiritual growth. And I'm thankful to many of you. Better not mention names because I probably will miss up more names than I mentioned. Tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I became a Christian when I was in primary two. Okay. Um, this eight, my, my classmate came to me, eight years old. She came up to me and then she said, um, last night I prayed the sinner's prayer. I become a Christian. All right. So do you want to become a Christian? So before I could even answer, she said, if you don't become a Christian, I cannot play with you, you know. No-brainer, right? So, of course, I said, yes, 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 I want to become a Christian. So, she prayed for me. And then later, she felt that her amateurish prayer may not work. She says, let me bring you to another friend who has been a longer Christian. So, let her pray for you. So, I went to this longer Christian friend. So, she held my hand and she prayed. She prayed. Then she says, amen. I said, oh, amen. Then she says, do you feel anything? I was like, what am I supposed to feel? She says, do you like feel some heat or feel something passing through my hand to your hand? And I said, no, I didn't. And you're supposed to feel, you know, she said. And I said, huh, then how? And I'm like, Jesus, God can hear our prayer. Like, can, can, you Christian already. I said, oh, okay. Then she asked me, do you believe? So I just thought I looked quite stupid already, right? I mean, I didn't feel anything, right? So I'm not going to look stupid again, you know. So I said, yes, I believe. Then she asked me, what do you believe? You know, the thing about believing, you cannot just say, I believe. You know, you have to believe in something. You have to say, I believe the sun rises from the east every day. Right? That's Mount Bromo. I mean, when I went there, a lot of people go there and they take photos like this. And when I went there, there was fog. And I didn't see this. But I still believe the sun rises from the east. I believe that there are black panthers. I also believe there are pink panthers. You have to commit to something, right? You cannot just say, I believe. You cannot believe in a vacuum. But the Israelites in Exodus saw the ten plagues and they crossed the Red Sea. And God told them to believe, stand and watch him believe, uh, deliver. They believed, didn't they? But they quickly disbelieved also. A quick flip of the Gospel of John reveals that many people believed in Jesus for different, different things. To the man born blind, Jesus was a healer. To the woman at the well, Jesus told her that I will give you living waters. For the 5,000 who ate the five loaves and two fishes, then Jesus could supply food. In fact, they believed that he can supply food. They followed him the next day to look for more food. For the disciples who saw him walking on the waters, whoa, Jesus has control over natural elements. For Mary and Martha, he's a man of second chance. Well, by the way, this picture over here is um, purchased from the colors of the Bible. It is an annual um, a competition organized by the Bible Society. This year, they also have. So if you can draw or your children can draw, Google the Bible Society and take a look. Okay, sorry, that's an aside. Thank you. 
Now, come, let's come back. A quick recap of the disciples will show us that they gave up a lot to follow Jesus. You think about it, Matthew was a tax collector. He was earning big bucks. He gave up all those money and he followed Jesus. Peter and Andrew, James and John, they are fishermen and they were actually business partners. They gave up their business. They gave up their career and they followed Jesus. Simon the Zealot gave up his life mission to overthrow the Roman Empire and followed Jesus. Look, they gave up a lot. And it's not like it's easy because they actually risk a lot to follow Jesus, to, to, do, to become Jesus' disciples. The teachings that Jesus was teaching them was not mainstream in that sense. It was really against the culture for, for a lot of things. And the disciples were, re, re, uh, re, were repeating what Jesus has taught. And they were not very popular among the villagers and the townsmen. But they took the risk anyway. So I found myself asking the question, what do you think the disciples were believing in? Were they looking to someone who could benefit them if they chose him? Following Jesus was not only costly, it was also dangerous. In today's gospel reading, we found the disciples hiding in the room, behind closed doors, fearing for their lives. I mean, I mean, you remember just one week ago, it was Hosanna, Hosanna, Jesus saves. And a few days later, it was crucify, crucify, let him die. So, and then today, this morning, on Easter morning, it's like, oh no, the grave is empty. Right? Um, that was what was happening at that time. The thing, and, and worse still, the rumors was that the disciples have taken the body and that's why the, the, the grave is empty. So what do you think the soldiers will be after the, the, the disciples' life? It was scary to be a disciple. The, all these testimonies of Jesus' resurrection were not enough to get them out of their house to normal living. I mean, Jesus told them, I will rise in three days, right? And then on that day, really, Jesus rose, right? And then what did they do? Instead of continuing going out to live courageously, what were they doing? They were hiding in the room. And I, honestly, I don't blame them. When Jesus first appeared to the group, Thomas wasn't there. We wonder where he went. Um, wasn't he afraid like the rest? The rest were so scared they were hiding, you know. Then Thomas not scared. Thomas go out to Xingxiang and buy food. <laughs> but if you could remember, Thomas was this guy whom when, you know, when Lazarus died and Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem. And then the people said, ah, you crazy, you go to Jerusalem, people want to stone you, you know. And Thomas was the one that says, let us go, that we may die with him. So Thomas was not a scaredy cat. No, he wasn't. Uh, so where was he? Okay, we shall not speculate. But we know that when he came back from wherever he went, and when the people, in, when his, his friends all insisted, look, 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 we saw Jesus, we saw Jesus, he came back alive, he came back alive. Thomas' response was, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my hand, fingers into the mark of the nails and place my hand into the side, I will never believe. To me, he sounded like he had lost faith. Disappointed angry, maybe even defiant. I'm ready to die for you. And then you die on your own, huh? Didn't bring me to die for you. I, I know. But, but he was, no, he, he, no, words will never be enough to show that this Jesus is real. So Jesus appeared. I mean, Thomas wanted concrete evidence. Jesus gave him concrete evidence. Don't judge him. 
because when Jesus first appeared to the, the group of disciples, he said the same thing. This is my hands, these are my hands, these are my sides. When you've been through such fear and disappointment, you need concrete evidence. That's fair. Because fear and disappointment do have a way of paralyzing fear, our faith, doesn't it? For some of us who trusted God, for who God is, well, we have heard of his miracles, we have read his teachings, we have received the peace and joy he promises and all. But when difficulties come and we are tested, do we always respond positively and with faith? We have our fair share of fear and pain. We do get our bad grades. We do have premature deaths at home. We have involuntary singlehood. We have accidents. We get laid, up, laid off at work. There are, there are countless disappointments. Then how do we respond? Some of us actually retreat into a quest, Sarah, Sarah, come what may, God has the plans for me, God has the best plans are the best. A bit fatalistic. And some, hopefully not too many, leave the faith. Most of us, many of us, choose to do this. Come to church, do the mundane, pray mechanically, just live like a Christian. So what I'm curious to know actually is this. When Jesus appeared to the disciples, the whole group, right? Then he appeared a second time, right? To the whole group with Thomas there, right? What message did he want to bring so specifically to Thomas? He wanted Thomas to hear the same message that everybody heard. And what is this message that after hearing this message, these disciples died a martyr's death, all of them? What is this message? And more, and even more powerful was this. Jesus says, do not disbelieve, only believe. Believe what? Such that after they believed, they would give up their lives for Jesus. And not only that, when Jesus appeared, he didn't just say believe, because after he calmed them down and their hearts were gladdened, he says, my hands and my, my, my sides. He breathed on them and commissioned them. The Holy Spirit, he says, wait for the Holy Spirit. That is something that we need to believe and we need to take it in. Jesus said, he was the one that was crucified, died and was buried. And he came to them and he commissioned them to go. Sorry, obviously I have departed from my script and I'm coming back. Jesus knew the overwhelming sense of setback. That was why when he appeared to the disciples, he appeared to them at different times, to different, to different groups and people. To, the group, to this group, he appeared through closed doors. To the two of them walking to the row of Emmaus, he walked with them and talked with them. To Mary Magdalene, he called her by name. Jesus knows where we are and he meets us where we are. For the one that Yvonne talked about just now right at the beginning, if only we could pray for our friend that her sin will never be too big to let God be far from her. We wish we could encourage her to come back as she is. God receives her. Jesus recognized their fears and he did not reprimand them. He patiently persuaded them to come and see. And so to Thomas, he said, have you believed 
because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believed. When Jesus made this statement, he is talking to you and I. I think in my lifetime, I'm not going to see Jesus. Actually, if I do see him, I'll be quite scared. If we don't see him and we believe him, and if we believe him, we are blessed. How are we blessed? Without seeing the sights and the hands, can we believe? Well, I, I have this passage here. I would like us to take a look from First Peter chapter 1, verses 8 to 9 first. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Peter writes here, you do not see him, but you believe him. Good. We are blessed. In the earlier part of the verses, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power and are being guarded through faith for our salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. What are we blessed with? We are blessed with a hope. And this hope is imperishable. It cannot die. It cannot be destroyed. We have a hope that is undefiled. It is clean. It is pure. It cannot be stained. It cannot be cheapened. We have a hope that is unfading. It does not dim. It does not fade with time. It will not grow old. We have a hope kept in heaven for us, secure and cannot be taken away. We have a hope when we believe in Jesus. So when, when we say, I believe in Jesus, what do we mean? Are we talking about a God who always heals, always protects, prevents bad things from happening, give us lots of money, give us promotion, and work miracles all the time? Is, is that the way we want to interpret Jesus, that Jesus is only a God of the good things? What if he came differently? What if his victory wasn't one that comes down from the cross and say, ta-da, I can come down from the cross? What if... His victory is that of gloriously walking out of the grave. And what if believing in Jesus requires some disappointment and trembling in us? What if believing in Jesus is not that plain sailing and straight and comfortable? When it is more than being accepted, more than just miracles and provision, more than healing, more than having control over natural elements. What if it is more than this. When believing in Jesus is grasping the very fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The last part of John, when we read just now, John says, I cannot finish writing all these things, describing all these things, but these are written so that you may believe. What am I believing in? Very often when we go and Google, and we, see, we say Google Thomas, okay, and Jesus. The pictures, the, the drawings that we've seen is always Jesus, his sides, his hands, and Thomas touching it. 
If we read John again, you find that when Jesus says, here, my sights, my hands, there was no recording of Thomas touching it. The moment Thomas saw Jesus, Thomas immediately knew, my Lord and my God. He wanted the evidence, but when Jesus came, he didn't need the evidence. At least he didn't need to touch it. Blessed are those who do not see and still believe. I think Thomas understood when he saw Jesus. Jesus came to deliver a message, and I think Thomas got it. Did we get it? If we really got the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, how has that changed our lives? How does it look like when we say that I believe in Jesus? Would I keep my faith no matter what happened? Just some um, examples, all right? Say so you are threatened by a gunman to renounce your faith, like they did in US. Oh no, too far-fetched. Singapore, no guns. Okay. Suppose you suffer from a debilitating illness. Suppose you are single and have been single for a while and you meet this very sweet boy or girl whom you feel is suitable for you but is a non-Christian. Suppose you, your working environment that pays you very well mocks the Christian culture. That makes it very hard for you to even declare that you are a Christian. Suppose you are working abroad and there are actually no churches for foreigners. Suppose you have had a bad experience with some people in church and you get angry. Do you, lose church? Do you miss, leave church and lose your faith in the end? Do you feel bored? The Bible stories are just becoming too familiar already. Since I was a kid, I've been listening to the story from when I was one year old. Now I'm 16 years old. 17 years old, I'm free. I don't want to come to church anymore. Have you burned out from serving? Do you feel unappreciated? Is Christianity not practical anymore? Or what if your children turn out bad or have chosen a different lifestyle that is according to the word of God? Do you therefore right now compromise your faith? When we grasp Jesus as the Son of God, how does that look? Can I have the next picture, Daniel? I would like to, you all to just take a look at this one. I will tell you what this is. I think, I think believing in Jesus includes giving up conveniences for the work of God. I'm just bringing it a bit closer to home. It may look like listening to the same story and again and again until your friend walks out of depression. It may look like being patient with the old folks at home, like some of us are facing. It may look like overlooking differences in the project group. It may look like spending time with our BB boys and our GB girls, both here at Queenstown and at Westwood. It may look like serving on the music team, day in, uh, week in, week in, out, really appreciate the whole team every week. It may look like shepherd's kids hiding upstairs now. This is prayer meeting, taken on 14th of April. I better explain why pastor is not there. Pastor was on leave, okay. 14th of April, just Friday, more than 20 of us were there. Uh, the tables were there because we were preparing, the tables were prepared for the next day. There was a diocesan event. But so we were all there praying, 20 over of us. Praying for 
Shepherd's Kids, YE, BB and GB. The church, praying for the church. And rightly so. We are the church. We need to come and pray for the church. Perhaps really believing in Jesus requires a bit of giving up some conveniences for the work of God. Our faith for Christ is not based on physical sight because we have not seen him and probably will never see him. Our faith is based on our spiritual relationship with Christ and with the word that he taught us with. He has breathed upon us the Holy Spirit that we may know him personally and profoundly. So when I was eight years old and when my friend cornered me and said, do you believe? I said, yes. And she said, what do you believe? I said, I believe in Jesus and all that Jesus represented. All the past religious experiences I had before I was eight years old, all that I will put down. I believe in this Angmo English God that I cannot pronounce, whose name I couldn't pronounce. I will believe him because he died for me. Just before I came back to this job, I had a conversation with my daughter. And I found myself tearing when I talked to her. And I was surprised why I was crying. And all I was telling her was why I was coming back to Good Shepherd. And I find myself tearing now. It's not because I love God. I realized that it was God who loved me. His love arrested me and I went to serve him. I'm going to take some moment because after I shared this yesterday, 